Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing Podcast. Buckle up and ride shotgun as we cover everything you need to know about the uplands. The habitat. The hunting. And of course, your favorite bird dogs. And as the show open says, we talk about the habitat, the hunting, and of course, the bird dogs. Well, we're going to talk about all those things today, but we're also going to talk about food. Heck, we should have we should have food in the show open because we almost always talk about food. And we're going to talk about volunteerism because the our featured guest today, right when we entered the world of COVID, uh, we knew we wanted to put on um, virtual events and in particular, a virtual event around our Women on the Wing program. And Danielle Pruitt raised her hand and volunteered for that event. And it was a smashing success. And once again, she volunteered and said, I'll do it again. It was a lot of fun. So so here we are, Marissa Jensen, back riding um, on the podcast with me, driving the podcast, <laughs> right? I won't yep. refer to it as quarterbacking, right? Because I overuse <laughs> that term. But we got Danielle Pruitt. We've got Marissa Jensen. That means it's a women on the wing conversation. Marissa, it's number two. That must mean that number one went pretty darn well, right? Absolutely. And the second one's just going to be that much better, right? I feel like I need to do like a whoop whoop in there. <laughs> no, we are so excited, um, you know, and and just thrilled to have Danielle. You know, we backed by popular demand. I mean, it was just a roaring success last year, um, and uh, can't wait to get it kicked off. So excited to share a little bit about you know our Women on the Wing initiative too, Bob. Um, you know, for listeners who who aren't familiar with what we're doing, um, you know, we developed this initiative within Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever to provide that inspiration and opportunity for women um, to really become engaged in dynamic conservationists. And, you know, we're able to approach that from all the collective experiences we have um, and passions. And, you know, you mentioned volunteerism, you know, that comes from our chapter volunteers and leaders, that comes from our staff, um, you know, a lot of different resources that we're able to um, draw from and pull from to deliver those national and local um, level events. So we're we're thrilled to put together, you know, another virtual event to try and bring women from across the country um, and get them inspired and excited to kind of help us carry on that upland tradition. And you know, I did mention Danielle. Welcome to the podcast. Who we're talking Hi. about you, so we could see you. Uh, Hi. <laughs> I do, I do want to reiterate and thank you for, you know, we, we're a nonprofit organization, obviously built on the foundation of volunteerism, chapter volunteers that put banquets together and carry out habitat projects and hold youth events or learn to hunt events with all sorts of different people. And you for two years in a row have said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to to be part of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever and volunteer my time and 
and put on this event that helps us generate memberships and we can sell sponsorships around it and it generates revenue for our organization. And I think um, a lot of times folks take for granted that you are giving of your time and expertise. And folks like Sam Soholt, who's holding a massive membership campaign for us, uh, along with four other conservation organizations. There, there's so many people that are have hearts of gold and you're one of them. So on behalf of you know, everybody at Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, thank you for, for, <laughs> for you know, volunteering and, and seeing kind of the big picture of what we all do. Yeah. Oh, well, of course, you're welcome. I mean, it's to me, it's not a hard ask because, because I know, like you said, the greater vision and the greater goal. And it's funny because I, I started out as, you know, a food enthusiast. And then, you know, I kept sort of going down the rabbit tunnel and then next thing I know I got bird dogs and I love pheasant hunting and you know to me it is the more I do this and the more I like learn and grow as a hunter it's become so important to me to get involved in conservation work because if you really truly love something you want to be able to give back and you want to share that love with other people and so it's 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 really easy to want to do these kinds of um events for conservation because if i can give back in any way i can i'll absolutely do that well thank you because not not everybody has that perspective and mentality so thank you for staying true to that and for folks that you know maybe haven't met you yet um you've been to pheasant fest uh, speaker on the wild game cooking stage you have your own blog called wild and whole and then mm-hmm. you're also um, a major contributor to the Meat Eater platform. Yep. Uh, did I miss anything? Uh, no, that's it. <laughs> so the biggest question that I personally want to know out of today's discussion is when your cookbook's coming. <laughs> I know there's got to be a Danielle Pruitt cookbook somewhere down the road. I'm I'm hoping so. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll I, leave it there. <laughs> well, that that's a that's a very good tease because it it sounds like there's hope for me, and I'm a, I'm very excited for for the potential for that. Um, all right, Marissa, let's let's talk about the May sixth event. Um, well, before we talk about May sixth, we should talk about the first event a little bit, right? Yeah. So the first event, you know, like you mentioned, we were uh, just trying to get creative with, uh, you know, kind of a different world that we were all living in and find ways to connect and come together as a community. Um, so we, you know, hosted our first national women on the wing virtual event and Danielle. Yeah. I mean, raised her hand before she even knew what she was getting into. <laughs> so <laughs> um, we were thrilled and, you know, last year we focused on a pheasant dish. Um, Danielle cooked a pheasant um, cocovan. I think I said it right. It took me about 50 million <laughs> times. I'll get a double thumbs up there. I finally got it. Um, and it was just just an incredible success. We had, um, you know, lots of attendees. We had the, um, you know, what was really fun was like the chat feature. Um, you know, individuals were connecting with one another, making plans to go hunt with each other um, when the hunting season rolled around. And, you know, it was just a really neat way to see people connect and bond. 
Um, so, you know, because of that success and excitement, we decided, well, you know, can't do one and done. We've got to, we've got to do more and see what, what we can do next. And so we're pivoting a little bit to a, a different type of dish, which we'll get into in a little bit. So for folks that have watched or watched the first one, Danielle was spectacular. Marissa, you did a wonderful job, but another I want to say person, but that's not right. Someone else, <laughs> someone else stole the show, though. Yeah, about Zisu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else could I be talking about? Your bird dog stole the show. <laughs> he usually does. He's such a character. He's such a personality. I know he's funny looking, and it's—I <laughs> mean, he is funny looking. I always say he's my sous chef because. He could be across the house in another room asleep. And when I pull my drawer out where I keep all the knives and slide my knife, my chef's knife out of the sheath, he just comes walking in. It's like he just knows the sound of the knife coming out. Chopping <laughs> is about to happen. Usually a piece of onion or parsley falls on the floor and that's he gets real excited about that. And so while we were doing that video, I mean, of course, I knew he would be all by my feet trying to waiting for a piece of pheasant to fall. Um yeah, he shows up. <laughs> so I know our, our listeners, you know, and uh, participants are going to want to know, it, is he going to make an appearance this year? I That's very probable. <laughs> there, if, if, um, if I don't keep him locked out of the house, then he will definitely be at my side. And, and usually like, Depending, like some days, because, you know, I cook for work. Some days I'll be in the kitchen for hours and he just falls asleep in the middle of the floor. And I mean, I will i can't believe I haven't fallen. I've tripped over him so many times, but he's just, he's always there on the floor. So he'll be there. And it's funny because like, like a bird dog does, he doesn't look at me or what I'm doing. He's just staring at the floor. Like it's so funny because it's like something will fall behind him, but he's still staring in front of him, waiting for something to fall. He's just always his eyes are always glued to the floor. It's just, what a bird the, dog. His name again is Sisu. Is that right? Zisu. Zisu, like the movie? Yep. Life Aquatic. Yeah, it's kind of part <laughs> part life aquatic. We're big Wes Anderson fa uh, fans, and then I I think uh, in real life that is based on a, a real person, um, oceanographer. Uh, he was he's kind of like an explorer. So it's and he Jadhars have um, a thing where you have to depending on what letter they are, it has to match with the letter of the alphabet. And I couldn't think of another letter for Z. <laughs> That's and of course, like name. when we're in the field, you know, we didn't want to call you pick a name with two syllables because we like we have another dog named Marina and we hated <laughs> you saying Marina in the field. We wanted something short. So we just call him Z. Sure. So there's got to be a Cousteau coming down the road at some point, too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I have a robot vacuum named Klaus. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first that, that I've heard of somebody naming a robot vacuum. Well, you know, you buy those iRobots and you set it up on your phone and you're like, choose a name. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I could name one. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That's amazing. <laughs> 
Yeah. So are those the two? You've got Marina and then I'm I'm just gonna say Z. I'm gonna yeah. I'm not gonna it took That's me forever fine. to say Cocavon, so I'm just gonna say Z. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Marina's nine, Z is six, already six. I don't it's crazy. Time is flying by. Absolutely. Well, we're excited. Hopefully we'll uh, get to see both of them during the show. Yeah. Yeah. So for those who haven't seen our, our promotion yet, I guess I should probably plug a little bit of information um, to get people excited. And um, our event is going to take place on May 6th, which is a 30th. I think we're, uh, excuse me, a Thursday. Um, I think we're about two weeks, two weeks out. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. Um, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time is when that's going to take place. And, you know, during the show, we're going to be sharing stories, um, you know, similar um, to what we're doing now, but we're going to expand on that and really celebrate the history of women conservation leaders, um, both inside and out of the organization. So, um, you know, definitely get signed up today. Tickets include a Pheasants Forever or Quail Forever membership. Um, and definitely want to give a shout out to our sponsors um, that are, you know, helping with this event again this year. Um, so this year we've got Walton's, South Dakota Tourism, Federal Ammunition, and Bass Pro and Cabela's that have um, jumped on board to support this effort and, and event. And we're just thrilled to have them on board. Have you done a lot of virtual events, Danielle, beyond the, the one you did with us last year? No, you know, it was one of those things we talked a lot about doing more of. Um, and I think we kind of dabbled in some test runs. I say we, I say, I mean, need eater. Mm-hmm. We dabbled in a few test runs. And I mean, there are a lot of work to put together. Um, and so it just combined with hunting season, the priorities sure. got a little skewed. <laughs> um <laughs> No, and I kept telling myself I would do more live, more live cooking things, and um, I just never really got around to doing it. And so, like, I'm happy that you guys are doing this because it's something that I think is really fun to do, and and for other people to experience as well. So, um, the fact that y'all are organizing this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a natural for us on camera, so that makes it easy. So okay, let me. If I can pull behind the curtain, the meat eater for a second and ask, uh-huh. him, you know, I know a lot of the folks um, live in Montana, right? Mm-hmm. But, but there's a few like you, you live in Texas. There's a few around the country, you know, inside pheasants forever and quail forever. Every Thursday morning, Marissa and me and about eight others jump on what we call a content call. Talk about what we're working for, working on for the week or the, you know, the couple weeks ahead. Is that a similar process with Meat Eater? Or how does how, how do you decide what you're going to write about and how does it fit into the entire editorial plan? Well, that's a good question. Um, it's I've been full-time with Meat Eater for two years now. And before that, for an entire year, I was um, doing contract work, contract contributing work for Meat Eater. Basically, from the moment they started Meat Eater Inc., um, Steve approached me to start developing recipes, recipes. So I got to see it from the ground up, mm. with, like building the entire culinary section um, from zero to what it is now. Um, and the process, it, it, what's been cool is we've had so many new additions to the Mediator team. In fact, 
before COVID hit, we had like a really fun like Christmas party. Um, and I got to meet a lot of people that I hadn't seen before. And now, and then COVID happened. And so we're just not, you know, doing those kinds of events anymore or like uh, team meetings. Um, but we still do like virtual Zoom calls and mm-hmm. all that. Um, but I mean, so many people have joined that I just like almost can't keep up. <laughs> but um, we have an editorial team um, that, you know, gets together and, and it's sort of segmented between hunting, fish and culinary. And then we all kind of intermingle our thoughts together on, on different projects that we're working on. And when we usually set some like big, big idea, big plan goals um, out in advance or some of the big things we want to achieve. And then there's lots of small things we want to do here that just, I mean, the whole team is amazing. There's, mm. they're not just great hunters and anglers. They're not just conservationists. They're not just like, very knowledgeable people, but they're very good at what they do. They're extremely creative people um, that just, I'm just always impressed and lucky to work, work with all of them. Um, There's just so many things going on at any given point in time at Meat Eater. It's just hard to keep up. (laughs) You know, I think, uh, I know at least on two occasions, I've had conversations with, with Travis, your husband. Yeah. I, th- I know at like the rendezvous, uh, BHA mm-hmm. rendezvous last year. And I think, it, did Travis come to Pheasant Fest? He I- came the first year I was there, but not not this last one. So I remember two conversations with Travis where he's like, I just can't believe how much content Danielle produces. It's like, <laughs> it's like every meal we have is, you know, something oriented around wild game. And then she's got the camera out and producing content. I mean, you are prolific when it comes to producing food content. Where do you get all this stuff? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I say that. I think you mean like, how do I come up with like all the ideas all the time? All the ideas, but well, both. I mean, where do you come up with? Or how do I have the bandwidth? (laughs) Well, that and and where does all the meat come from too? I mean, you guys are constantly on the move. Like I know you just came from turkey hunting in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it seems like you were fishing somewhere on the the Gulf here recently. Yeah, so we, you know, if... If I'm not doing something with meat eater, like hunting or fishing related, I'm usually doing something with Travis. And it's for him, you know, he he works not in the hunting industry. And so when the weekend rolls around, he is just amped up, you know, for whatever season it is. And so like we live and breathe the outdoors. And so for us, it is year round. You know, I think some people get really excited about certain things and it's very seasonal for us. I feel like the season never really ends because there's just so much opportunity. I mean, you think about upland season starting in September quail and into February, that's a really long time to go chase birds across the U S. Um, and then, you know, we always try to do a big game because, um, we really need to fill the freezer with meat. Um, <laughs> And then waterfowl and, you know, for waterfowl, it's depending on where you live at different points in the migration, but there's always that spring snow goose coming around and then fishing season. Um, and then here in Texas, uh, we have a ranch about an hour away from Houston and 
we it's I don't know what it is, but there's something that happens every spring where we get a bunch of hogs coming in that tear up all the pastures. And so we have a big hog trap out there. And so it just seems like every spring is hog. It's like we get our hogs. <laughs> so it is like that's how, how we um, have this much meat in our freezer and, mm. and continuously cooking. And I think a big part of how I come up with everything is really relying on the experiences I have in the outdoors and also the seasons. Um, I love the way spring, you know, the things are starting to come to life. There's certain vegetables that are growing in the ground. There's certain fungus growing in the woods and turkeys. And it's just sort of this time of the year where you get to see these things co-mingle when they're kind of, it's just this window of opportunity when they're at the peak of their perfection of ripeness. And I just love to sort of pair those together um, in a, in a fun way. And really that's how I decide how I'm going to cook everything is like what's growing around me, what's happening at this time of the year. What do people want to eat when it's wet and cold? What do people really want to, you know, from life experiences, you know, and just knowing what my own family members want to eat. Um, that's, that's really how I end up developing the recipes. And a lot of notes. I do a lot of journaling. A lot of that. I love that. <laughs> I think it's so neat that you pull in the flavors of the seasons. And, that, you know, I think, and there's that, like you said, there's comfort food when it's cold outside. And then there's, you know, when it's warm, you don't want to necessarily eat something really hot. And um, yeah. what do you think would be, you know, for, for individuals listening that maybe are new to wild game cooking, what would be a good kind of starter pheasant or quail dish for them? This is really tough for me to answer because I feel like if you're new to it, the thing that you really should experience is just cooking the breast alone as it is with salt and pepper and just eating that. I just sometimes I just love the simplicity of just that because if you're Mm -hmm. used to eating chicken and then you go and you have pheasant, like it's like, oh my gosh, I'm eating like (laughs) a white meat that I've never had before. It's just. I love, I love like experiencing that. And so if you're new to it, that's what I would be excited for. Like if I had to go back in time and never eat pheasant again, I would look forward to that moment of trying it for the first time, Mm -hmm. just salt and pepper. I mean, it sounds so basic, but the, the tricky thing is if you're new to cooking it, you're probably going to be very surprised by how fast it cooks and how easily it can get really dry. And so Mm -hmm. my biggest tips for people brining is your best friend whether you want to do a traditional brine with like water salt and a little sugar um, give it a rinse after or what i call a dry brine which is really nothing more than seasoning your food just as you would before you cook it um, hours in advance it actually works the same way and you don't have to rinse the meat um that's one big tip and then um I just wrote an article about how to get like the perfect sous vide pheasant and turkey breast because I think a lot of people just struggle with it and struggle with cooking it. And if you really want to know what it should taste like in like a really great way, technology, if you already have one of those things, just pull it out and let technology do the work for you. And then you get to try what it's supposed to taste like. And then when you're cooking it on the stovetop, I just sort of pan sear it. Uh, so that it's hot enough that you get these really nice browned edges, but not so long of cook time that you're 
overcooking it. And it's really just a couple minutes all the way through. Um, so I know that's not like a really f- special recipe for the first time, but um, I just perfect. like the simplicity of things sometimes. And it gives individuals a chance to really taste that flavor of that meat. Like you said, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite ways to have sharp tail grouse. Um, oh you know, yeah. It's really just such a powerful, um, in my mind, delicious flavor. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, it doesn't, it's not masked by anything else when you do it that way. So that's a fantastic yeah. tip. There's a lot of other great ways to eat it too. Yes. <laughs> yes, I can think is. of a lot of other ways, but, <laughs> but in the, the most basic form, I like, I just like a good pan seared pheasant. Yeah. Most of the time before I throw a wild game on the grill even if i simple simply you know cooking with salt and pepper i put olive oil on it oh and yeah that, am i doing that right or am i doing yep. it wrong? okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> season first and then add oil so you're just adding a little bit of extra fat um which is tasty whenever you eat but it also helps keep it from sticking um and fat actually acts as a barrier to heat transfer so it in this tiniest little way, it'll um, reduce the cook time so it doesn't just like cook mm. super, super fast. I mean, it's just a tiny bit of oil, but it, it's surprising how much that little bit of oil makes a difference to sort of encasing the meat and keeping moisture in, in a way. I, I've heard some people say to use grapeseed oil mm-hmm. um, about sometimes that can prevent things from um, burning. Is that... Is that something you would use in wild game or is that for a different application? No, I think what they're trying to say is it has a higher smoke point. So olive oil has a certain smoke point. I can't remember the number. Um, And grapeseed has a much higher smoke point. So if you're grilling something of a really high heat, you want something that the oil is not going to chemically break down. And that's when you get carcinogen. carcinogenic kind of food. So that's why like a lot of people like grapeseed oil is it can handle really high heat and it has a neutral flavor. So it like olive oil is great, but it tastes like olives. And you, depending on whatever it is you're cooking, you may not want the flavor of olive oil on your mm. meat. And so grapeseed oil is totally neutral. You don't taste it. So whatever it is that you season your meat gets to shine. That's, Does that make sense? Yeah, that's terrific. <laughs> I just, it makes me think about like a fish fry. If you want to really taste the fish, then you're better off using, like, I wouldn't use olive oil, but like vegetable oil. Should I be using grapeseed oil for fish fries? You can. But it's um, expensive, right? Yeah, you know, you're, it's getting cheap more. It's getting more and more affordable. It, I used to be, I remember when I started buying grapeseed oil, it used to be pretty expensive and I can find like big jars of it pretty cheap and I always filter it out and reuse frying oil and put a big label, frying oil on the jar. So I remember, um, but most people use peanut oil, mm. which is fine. It's not the healthiest oil. Grapeseed oil is a little healthier if you're frying, health is probably not your number one concern. I'll just, I'll just, just toss that out of the window. Never mind about that. But as far as flavor, yeah, uh, you know, those are really neutral flavors. Peanut oil has a peanutty taste, and that can actually be nice, and people like that flavor with their fish. But, um, yeah. All right. I'm sorry, Marissa. I took a no, fish frying left here. <laughs> I'm just drooling, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And 
oil and fish and grouse and pheasant and quail. So um, I guess, you know, for this year's event, like you know, we mentioned earlier, we're going to we're going to shift gears a little bit and do a quail dish. Um, mm-hmm. Can you provide our listeners with a little teaser on on what that dish might look like this year? Yeah, you know, I I had a really hard time trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I knew that if it's going to be an appetizer, like with quail, I love just cooking them whole, but I didn't want to like, I didn't want to do another whole bird like recipe. I wanted to utilize the legs. Um, and it's just so popular. Like a lot of like higher end restaurants will have bacon wrapped quail legs. It's like a very popular appetizer. At least I see it in Texas a lot because we're, or in the South because it's kind of quail country maybe. But, uh, and so I didn't, I, like, I didn't know if I wanted to do a play on that. And then I really love the idea of doing buffalo wings with the legs, um, because I really do love a good ice cold beer and wings, but with the, you would just substitute it with quail eggs and, uh, either grill it or fry it and then toss it in buffalo sauce. And I thought that's not appropriate for a women and wild Women wine and wild game. That's for Super Bowl or something, <laughs> <laughs> which is a good idea. I'm going to keep that that idea on the back burner. Um, and so I've come up with something else that I feel is a little bit more appropriate because um, when I think about like getting together with my girlfriends and we've got wine, there's usually some cheese out there, maybe some fruit. Like it's kind of one of those just sort of snacky situations. And and so I think what I'm going to do instead of bacon, which Quail cooks really fast, and a lot of times when you wrap things with bacon, you want to cook it until the bacon gets crispy and has that meaty, salty texture you're looking for. But the birds, especially this happens with dove all the time, they overcook by the time the bacon gets crispy. So I'm going to do a little substitution with um, prosciutto. So if you've ever had prosciutto before it's a cured meat that's sliced very thin it's a popular italian um charcuterie um so it's thin and it cooks fast and it's got fat in it and it gets super crispy in the oven and so you don't have to worry as much about your your bird overcooking and so it's kind of a little bit more uh, it's kind of like a fancy version of bacon wrapped quail and then some special cheese and seasoning in there to really tie it all together I love it. And it's like so, a nice little charcuterie plate all yeah. in one bite. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that you said charcuterie too, because it, I, I feel like it wouldn't be one of our virtual events if we didn't throw a word in there that I struggled to pronounce. And charcuterie <laughs> is one of them that like, I can't spell it half the time or say it correctly. I always mess it up. But one of these days, you know, next year when we're getting ready for the third event, maybe I'll say yeah. it right. <laughs> Uh, that sounds incredible. So, uh, you know, thinking about, you know, wine and wild game combos, what, what's a wine that you would pair with that or, or beer for that matter? Um, you know, I'm, we're beer fans too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I would say I do love with game birds, a uh, really good Pinot Noir. I I do like that. And I also like a dry white wine. Um, nothing fruity. I wouldn't do like a Pinot Grigio. Uh, but if you're into Chardonnays, a buttery Chardonnay would be good. Um, I don't particularly, particularly like 
California Chardonnays because they're a little oaky. <laughs> but if you like that thing, I think that's a good choice. Uh, my father-in-law is a big wino, and he's he's got me hooked on French wine, Sancerre, and then French Chardonnays are not oaky. I couldn't tell you why they're not. Um, <laughs> I just know I like to drink them. Um, <laughs> Uh, for why that's so that's what I would pair with the uh, the quail and then beer. Oh, I wish I was better at beer too. I, I tend to stick to a, sort of my favorites, um, which is usually some sort of lager um, or pale ale. Hefeweizens are nice, but I really don't like them in this particular situation. It, you have me a Pinot Noir. It, you uh, when Meredith and I got married, we we had um, pheasant was our um, entree, right? And the the um, the pairing was Pinot Noir and a buttery Chardonnay. I mean, it just oh, really, <laughs> it, yeah, you just absolutely nailed what we served at our weddings, which was which was perfect. perfect. Yeah, it was wonderful. We had a, a pheasant breast uh, with apricot sauce, oh, uh, yeah. real, and it was just. It was, yeah, I like pheasant, I guess. So it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a perfect pairing. Yeah. So, Danielle, you know, as we kind of wrap up today's show and, um, you know, we, we share more information on this event, can you tell us just a little bit about what made you most excited for this second round? Oh, it's probably the same as what it was for the first round, which is getting to, to be a part and connected in a community of women who care about the uplands and the outdoors. Cause I know firsthand how hard it is um, as woman getting into hunting, um, learning how to hunt. And, you know, I'm extremely lucky that I have my husband who's a great hunter and, and who trained our bird dogs. Like, I mean, it's just such a great position. And I know for a lot of other women trying to get into it, you know, maybe, they don't have that, or maybe that, you know, their dad or their brother or a friend. Um, it's just, it's not always easy to find a good mentor to learn how to hunt, but it's not, it's also not easy to find other girlfriends who want to hunt with you. You know, I love hunting with my husband all the time, but I also like love the idea of like having a group of girls to go hunting with too. Um, so anytime that I can get involved and connect women with each other to either share you know, the joys or the struggles with whatever it is they're going through and um, just have a community for that. I, I'm just really happy to be a part of it. Well, we're very happy for you to be a part of it too. And it just, it means a lot to us and we're excited to to see how this year's event goes as well. Yeah, me too. It's, it'll be fun. Folks can learn more about the event um, if they want to visit our website, uh, pheasantsforever.org, quailforever.org. Um, our Women on the Wing page lives under the Participate tab, and I think we could probably link this that into the uh, podcast as well. And you can find more information about the event and then purchase your tickets. And uh, we hope to see you there. We're excited. Yeah, and, and um, just as a reminder, your event ticket to watch um, Danielle, and you could cook a, right along with Danielle if you get some wild game in your freezer. Your event ticket comes with your choice of a pheasants forever or a quail forever membership. And, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and are not yet a member, then please, um, you know, we talk about volunteerism. We also, we also need 
uh, membership. Please take uh, a commitment of your own and become committed to conservation, wildlife habitat conservation. That's our mission. Um, Danielle, thank you so much for doing this again. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Marissa, thanks. Welcome back to Riding Shotgun. <laughs> Great yep. to have you. I'm it's really been a looking, while. Really looking forward to this event. Um, folks, May 6th, Thursday night, Women on the Wing, thanks to our partners at Federal Ammunition, South Dakota Tourism, Walton's, uh, Bass Pro Shops, and Cabela's. And most importantly, thank you to Danielle Pruitt for volunteering and being a part of our Women on the Wing celebration of conservation leaders. I'm Bob St. Pierre reminding you to always follow the dog. Something good will rise. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks.